Romans chapter 5 says this, that hope does not disappoint because the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint when it collides with God's love. Why? Because when your hope collides with God's love, your dreams, your answers, whatever it is, begins to materialize in your life. I believe that with all my heart. And so we've been talking about hope. And many of you are here today and you've come out of that season where you really needed hope and you experienced that and you met God and God met you where you're at and bam, He worked it out. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation before where you didn't know how it was going to work out, but it seemed to work out? Yeah, many of you. Some of you right now, you're not in that season. You're doing great and you're doing fine. One thing I've learned about life is that you eventually will be in that season. And it goes in cycles. I'm not in it. I'm in it. I'm coming out of it. I'm in it. I'm not in it. I'm coming out of it. And you go in those seasons. And we need to understand that our hope, when it's tapped into God's love, man, that is the greatest place to be. That's a great place of security because there God speaks, there God answers, and there God brings about what you need in your life. I want to read you out of Genesis chapter 3. And then we're going to read out of Genesis chapter 4. And then we're going to jump to Genesis chapter 5. And I believe this, that today, that this message is going to encourage you, inspire you, and challenge some of you uh, to begin to believe for that breakthrough that you need in your life. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 9. And if you've read the Bible and you've read through Genesis, you understand that what's taking place here is Adam and Eve have just sinned, okay? God had told them, hey, you can eat of every tree in the garden. But there's just one tree that you can't eat from, okay? And what happened? We know that Eve was tempted by the serpent to eat of that tree. And then Eve went on and presented that to her husband. And they began to sin in the eyes of God. And now when they sinned, the Bible says their eyes were opened up and they were exposed to many things. Let's pick it up. Verse 9, chapter 3. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you do not eat? The man said, the woman. Come on, somebody. How many have been there before? You're married. Come on. God, it's not my fault. That woman that I married her fault and then when you start having kids come on somebody you go down the line God it's not my fault it's the woman you gave me and the kid and the second kid and the third kid and the seventh kid so we need to look into contraceptives anyway it's not my fault the woman what is this you have done and the woman said it's not my fault <laughs> she begins to continue the cycle she says, it's not my fault, God. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Did you see the digression there? How many of you guys have, a, have an animal at home? Okay, I have a little, little poodle. Let me just, just put this in context. Say, God shows up to me and says, Ben, what did you do? And I said, God, it's not my fault. Katie, the wife you gave me, she made me do it. And she looks around, she's like, God, it's not my fault. The poodle made me do it. It's not my fault. That little fluffy white toy poodle named Angel, she's actually a devil, made me, made me do it. Digression. Verse 14, the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the uh, livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go 
and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now listen to verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Many versions and many translations say between your seed. Now in the context of Scripture, this is a prophetic word that is going out and it's literally talking about the seed of Jesus. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that would one day die on the cross that would bruise the head of the devil and destroy his work forever. Okay? That's what it's talking about. But in retrospect, Eve does not know that. All she's thinking about is the children I'm going to have, the seed that comes from me is going to begin to bring hope back for the mistake we have made. Are you tracking with me? We've blown it. Oh no, what's going to happen? God shows up, curses the snake, says to the woman, hey, what comes out of you, what's birthed out of you, will bring hope back into your circumstance, into your life. Now go to chapter 4, verse 1. It's going to get good. You're going to get something today. You excited? Good. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. Now in case you, you don't understand what's being said there, when it says knew, it means they knew. They knew. Some of you, you're not, you're not, you're not catching what I'm saying. All right. Well, it means they got together. All right, and they knew. You follow me yet? Okay. I don't want to. Like, uh, anyway, knew. Okay. They got together, and they're 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 going to make a baby. Okay. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I have gotten a man." with the help of the Lord. What is she saying? Aha! The seed that is going to put everything back into perspective. Verse 2, And again she bore his brother Abel. Now most theologians believe that Cain and Abel were twins. And the reason they believe they were twins is because it only says they knew each other once, but two babies were born. Okay? And so most people would say that Cain and Abel are twins. So here she has twins. Named the first one Cain, the second one Abel. Was a keeper of sheep, and Cain worked, was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his, of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regarded for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. If we had time to study that, we would, but let's move on for time's sake. So Cain was very able, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? In the context of the story, then God banishes Cain from the garden. Now think about it. If you are Adam and Eve, they blew it. Are you tracking with the story? They messed up. God brings hope. Don't worry. I'm going to restore things. The seed that comes from you is now going to rise up, bring you hope, and overcome the thing that had overcome you. This is the hope that's inside of them. But now, here's the seed that's supposed to bring the hope. Here's the answer they thought they'd been waiting for. But now they get disqualified because Cain kills Abel. So Abel's no longer in the picture. And now Cain is disqualified because he has sinned. 
Now, if you are Adam and Eve, you are very discouraged at this point. Are you with me? You are discouraged. You're walking in hopelessness. God, what happened? You told us the seed that was going to come. It was going to be our answer. Have you ever found yourself in a position like that? Where you felt like God spoke something to you so clearly and you thought you knew what to do and you began to do it only to find yourself deeper in a hole? Am I the only one? Okay. You wonder, man, where is God in the situation? Where is God in the equation? What is going on? And you have no answers. Pick it up. Genesis 4, verses 25 and 26. And Adam knew his wife again. Y'all remember what the word new means, right? Okay, got to make sure. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, in quotations, look at it, God has appointed for me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. God has spoken to me. God has appointed for me another offspring, another seed, another hope, another victory, another answer, another solution. Are you with me right now? God has given this to Seth also. A son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At the time, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 1, chapter 5. Listen to this. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them, and he blessed them and named them man. When they were created, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. And I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, your amazing word would bombard our life and bring hope inside of us, bring faith inside of us, so that no matter what we're walking through right now, God, we can know that we can get through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. About five years ago when I was living in Las Vegas, uh, my, my daughter, Cara, who was three at the time, came to me, and she started uh, just, just pestering me and bothering me for a pet. Daddy, can I have a horse? No, we don't have a place big enough. Daddy, can I have a miniature horse? <laughs> no, we don't have a place big enough. Da Daddy, can I have a cow? As if a cow is smaller than a horse, you know. Daddy, can I have this? Can I have a rabbit? Can I have a guinea pig? Can I have a dog? Can I just get a small dog? And my answer was no, 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 no. And finally she came one day, because she's a smart little kid, and she came to me and said, Daddy, can I get a fish? Winner, winner. That's right. Chicken dinner. Okay. I thought to myself, yeah, a fish. Why not a fish? I mean, animals, like dogs and things like that, you've got to buy so much food for them, and you've got to brush them, and you've got like, you to like treat them like a human almost. It's just like, ah, you know? And I'm thinking of fish. I don't have to pet it. It won't swim over next to me as I'm watching TV and cuddle up next to me. Y'all with me? It sits in a bowl. It stays in a bowl. You might as well get yourself a picture. Are you with me? I mean, it's just there. And all you got to do is sprinkle those little flakes, and only God knows what that stuff is anyway, right? You just sprinkle that stuff in, and I mean, you don't have to, you know, it's just awesome. Fish are great, right? So I said, absolutely, let's go to the store and get a fish. And so we went, and some fish are expensive, but I led her over to the betta fish. How many ever had a betta fish before? Okay. Now, one thing they didn't tell me about the betta fish is their lifespan. It's like two minutes or something like that. 
you know, so that's why they're so cheap, right? Didn't tell me about the lifespan of a betta fish, so, but we picked out a betta fish. The other thing about betta fish is they all look the same, right? And some are like, I, if you have a fish, you probably totally disagree with me, but go to the store next time, look at a betta fish, they look exactly the same, okay? And it was only a buck for a betta fish, so I spent my dollar, man, but then we had to spend like $40 on the tank and all that stuff, right? We get the fish, and my daughter is so excited, and they tell us how to put it in, you know, leave it in the bag of water, set it in until it gets acclimated to, you know, and all this stuff. See, that's a good dad. Got her a fish. So she has a fish, and she named the fish Dory. You ever seen Finding Nemo? Come on, somebody. So she named it, because, you know, I mean, it wasn't orange. They can't name it, you know, Nemo, but we'll name it Dory. And so she had a fish named Dory. She loved Dory. Now, we, we had to teach. We had to put it up high so that she didn't do anything silly with the fish, you know, and try to take it out and play with it and stuff. And so we had it up high. But one day, I remember, it was probably about two, three weeks after we had the fish, I was sitting there watching football, and I'd realized it had been a while since I'd heard my daughter. Now, how many have kids, and you know that if you haven't heard them for a while, you know that they're usually doing something they shouldn't, okay? If you can hear them, you're okay. The minute you can't hear them, you're like, uh, what's going on? And so sure enough, I walk into the room, because I want to find out what's going on. I walk into the room, and there's Kara just sitting there staring uh, she climbed up on her bed, where the, and she was looking over on the, on the book stand. She's just staring down at the bowl. I go, I come walking over, and I look, and Dory is just floating. And I was like, quick thinking, quick thinking. Oh, baby, look, Dory's sleeping. You know what I'm talking about, right, Mom and Dad? You get creative real quick, you know. Oh, look, Dory's sleeping. And she's like, uh-uh, Dad. She's three. Like, no, look, Dory's, no, dad, Dory's dead. She had never experienced death in her life at this point, so I'm like, what the world? I was like, Hi. no, 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 baby, Dory's just sleeping. No, dad, Dory's, Dory's dead. And I was like, Cara, did you take Dory out of her tank? Yes, dad. I was like, baby, why did you do that? She needed a doctor, dad. I'm like, so you took Dory out of the tank and you, and you played doctor? Yes, Dad. But baby, we talked about this. You know that, that fish belong in water. They can't. But Dad, Dory needed a doctor, Dad. I'm like, baby, how do you know that Dory needed a doctor because she wasn't doing good, Dad? How do you know that? Because I gave her chocolate milk in her tank, Dad. <laughs> That's one thing we forgot to tell her. <laughs> Do not feed the fish chocolate milk. And so, Dad, I put chocolate milk in there, and then she was like, I killed Dory, Dad! And she's literally crying, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And so I remembered Finding Nemo. I was like, baby, do you remember the story of Finding Nemo? She's like, yeah. I said, you remember that all these toilets lead to the ocean. Do you remember? Y'all seen Finding Nemo, right? And if you can just get in the sewer system, all sewers lead, lead to the ocean, yeah? I guarantee you that if we flush Dory down the toilet, that she'll be released in the ocean and she will come back to life. Really, Dad? She's three. Come on, bear with me, all right? She's like, really? I was like, yeah, do you want to flush Dory down the toilet? Yes, Dad, let's do it. And so, man, we grab Dory and we go over and we, we, we are, you, are you ready? Yeah, Dad, I'm ready. And boom, we put her and we flush it. And all of a sudden she's like, yeah, Dory's gone. And so now I have to get more creative, and I'm like, no, no, Dory's not gone. Dory is back at the pet store. Because all betta fish look alike. Come on, somebody. 
And so I said, let's go get a new one. She's like, okay. So we jumped. And I said, look, there she is. She's like, yeah, Dad, you're right. That's her. And we got it. And boom. And sure enough, that one died too. She poured chocolate milk in the tank. And the chocolate milk got inside of its little gills. And it killed the fish. See, some of you are here right now and there has been something that has got inside of your life. There's something that has got inside of your heart. There's something that has got inside of your spirit. And God never intended for you to function that way. God never intended for you to have that broken relationship, that broken dream, that, 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 that thing that is literally beginning to take you down. God never intended for that to be in your life and it is beginning to feel like you are dying. But I got good news for you today. You got more than a three-year-old working on your behalf. You got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords working on your behalf. You got Jesus Christ who went to the Christ and by his stripes, your body is already healed. He became poor that you could become rich. Are you with me right now? He literally began to take the sin of humanity on himself so that you and I cannot end up like Dory getting flushed down a toilet. Praise Jesus. And I want to talk to some of you just for the next few moments. And I want to begin to speak to your spirit. And I want to get to speak to your circumstance and your situation because some of you right now, whether you're going through it, whether you just came out of it, or whether you're about to go into it, you're going to need to hear what I have to say to you today because there's going to be a moment when something gets into your life where you're going to feel hopeless and you're going to want to know how do I get out of this circumstance? How do you get out of this situation? Have you ever blown it so bad that you didn't think you'd recover? Come on, I have only honest one here today. You ever done something so stupid? I remember when I was eight. I know I'm going way back. It's like, oh, eight? I was like remembering yesterday. Don't worry, I'll, I'll bring in some more modern current ones too, all right? But this one devastated me. I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a preacher. Man, I love Jesus. But I remember I was having such a bad day. I'm only eight, but I remember I was having this bad day. And you're all probably going to never come back to the church after I tell you this story, but it's okay. I was having such a bad day. I'm only eight. I don't know how this got inside of me, but I remember, I don't even know if I should tell this story, but God will forgive. God already forgave. And I remember the last straw was I was running and chasing my brother, and this little stump appeared out of nowhere. I don't know what I'm talking about. It was, no, it was already there. I just didn't see it, but it felt like it just appeared out of it. Someone was like, gosh. Okay. And I, and I tripped and fell, and I smacked my face, and I was already so upset, and I was so mad. I remember I flipped God off. You know, it's been great having urban church. See you guys later. Don't tell me you've never done something like that. Okay. Maybe you've never used the finger, but, you know, the Bible says if you... Anyway, I won't go there right now. Okay? You know, yeah, I did, okay? And I remember the minute I did it, I just felt this like... And I ran, we were camping, I ran into the trailer and I'm bawling, I'm like, Mom! She's like, what? What happened? I did something so bad! She's like, what? What? What'd you do? Who'd you kill? Oh! Nobody! And she asked me, I said, Mom, I think I committed the impartable sin. I'm telling you the truth, I'm eight years old. I grew up in a pastor's home, I used that word. True story, God is my witness. Okay. Assuming that God's still my witness, you know, what I did at the age of eight, but whatever. I was like, Mom, 
she's like, what do you do? And I told her, and she's just like, honey, the fact that you feel the way you feel right now, so broken, so you, are, you did not commit immortal sin, all right? Should have you done that? No, don't you ever do that again. I'll break that finger off. <laughs> okay? But I remember how I felt. I was just like, I, I've blown it so bad. I've blown it. I've blown it. I mean, anybody ever been there? Maybe not there, but you know what I'm talking about? You've blown it so bad and you don't think you can recover. You don't think there's an answer. You don't think, my God, how am I going to make it out of this circumstance, of this situation? I got good news for you that Jesus Christ went to the cross to give you hope, to give you life, and to give you life more abundant. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you feel like you can't get over, God is saying to you right now, it's not over. Turn to somebody and say, it's not over. No, no, no. Come on, say it with a little preach behind it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, it's not over. Come on, it's not over. God is telling you today, it's not over. Look at the story real quickly. I got some more stories, but if you want to hear them, you can, you can talk to me afterwards because I got a really good one that I thought my wife would never marry me. But she did, as you can tell, 13 years we've been married. But yeah, you want to hear it now, don't you? I'm not going to tell you. Genesis. Think about what's taking place now. Adam and Eve know that they've blown it so bad now that they are hiding from God. Previous to this, the Bible says that God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve then go and sin and do something so grievous, they know intuitively that they've blown it. So now when God comes down, they're literally hiding themselves to the point where God is walking around saying, Adam, where are you, Eve? It's time for our afternoon walk. Where are you at? All of a sudden, Adam responds, I'm over here. Why are you hiding from me? Because we're naked. Who told you you're naked? Did you eat of the tree? They had blown it. They knew they blew it. God comes and pronounces a sentence on the serpent. But then he turns to them and says, and I love the Bible, because from the very onset, chapter 3, God begins to give hope back to humanity. God begins to give hope back to you and I. What is the Bible, man? The Bible is, is a book full of hope, of promises, and full of stuff that raises faith inside of you that says no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, God can restore it. Chapter 3, God is already presenting hope. Hey, look, you know what? Eve, you did blow it. Adam, you did blow it. But what's going to come out of you, the seed, I'm telling you right now, it's going to restore it. And so now here they are full of faith and full of hope and full of life. And they're like, yes, all right, we're going to do this. Now, Adam uh, and, and Eve give birth to Cain and Abel. And we read the story. Cain disqualifies himself and is banished from the, from the garden because he kills Abel. Abel's no longer on the scene. So now they go back to a hopeless situation. But here is Eve. And inside she is still contending for something. So much so that we see it right here in chapter 4 where she says, God has a Appointed for me another seed. Mm. Come on, somebody. God has appointed for me another seed. God has appointed for you. Listen, it's in quotations. What does that mean? It means that she is rehearsing something that God had spoken to her. God said, I have an appointment for you. God said, I have an answer for you. God said, I'm going to do this. What situation in your life right now do you have that you need God to speak into? What circumstance do you have in your life right now that you need God just to say, Marianne, I'm doing it for you. Caleb, I'm doing it for you. Linda, I'm doing it for you. All of us have something in our life 
But we need God to speak into that circumstance and that situation. And when God speaks, something powerful begins to happen. Let's, let's just conclude it right here. Something powerful begins to happen. There's something in his voice. There's something in the words that he speaks. I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of Peter in Mark 16, 7. When Peter denied Jesus, he had blown it so bad. Blown it so bad. Man, didn't think it was going to be redeemed. But then he speaks to Mary. He says, hey, Mary, go get the disciples. And then he says, and Peter. Don't just get the disciples. Get, get Peter as well. He singles Peter out. He singles him out and says, man, I, I have need of him still. Thought he blew it. God restores it. He's speaking one word. God has something he wants to restore in you today. When God speaks, everything changes. You have an appointment, Eve. I've appointed you a seed. When God speaks, if you're a note taker, you can just take these down. I'm telling you right now, it's not over. God has something for you today. When God speaks, number one, power gets restored. Power gets restored in your life. They were rendered powerless so much so that they wanted to hide from God. But when God begins to speak, faith begins to rise up. And that's why Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why do you need to read this thing every day? Because faith rises up inside of you to give you the hope to believe for something more. Every day I should be in this. Every day. That's why we do a daily devotional. That's why we encourage people to get on a Bible reading plan. Because when you begin to read this, all of a sudden you begin to take your eyes off your circumstance and your problem. You begin to get your eyes on God. And you begin to see that God did it here. God's a restorer. God, man, God's an encourager. And all of a sudden now you begin to get faith inside of it. It says, man, I can obtain this. I can take more. I can have more. I can get through this circumstance that I'm walking through. Hmm. The reason some of us don't get to that point, though, is because we're still trying to hold on to what was. Eve said this, Eve said this, God has appointed for me another seed. Some of us are still trying to hang on to Cain and Abel. Some of us are still trying to hang on to something that has been disqualified. Uh, I don't know who that's for, but there's somebody here right now, you've been trying to hold on to something from your past. Man, let that relationship go. Let that friendship go. Let that job go. Let that bitterness go. Let that resentment go. There are people that don't come to church because they were turned off by another church. And you need to let that go. And you need to get back to a place where you can find community and you can find relationship and you can find someone that will help you with the Word of God. You got to let go. Eve began to let go. Something was happening inside of her because she heard a word from God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.2, you mix the message of the word with faith and it profits you something. You need to begin, to, you need to, begin to, to mix it with faith. When God speaks, power gets turned back on. When I was just engaged, and I, yeah, here I am, I'm going to tell you this story. I was engaged. And my wife went away and she went to a, a, a mission trip to the Philippines. Who will give me five more minutes and we'll conclude? Five more minutes. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, fantastic. we got 40 more minutes. Thank you. Yeah. And we, we were engaged, and then she, right after we were engaged, she went on this trip to the Philippines, and, uh, and she got back, and I was so excited to see her, and I picked her up from the airport, and I took her straight to dinner. And we went to Tony Roma's, and we had ribs. Come on, somebody. How many getting hungry right now? Okay. We're not having ribs, but we, we got some food for you. Okay. We went to Tony Roma, man, I was just engaged in conversation, you know, and hearing about her trip and so excited and all this stuff. And so we're getting ready to leave. 
And, um, and, 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 and as we're walking out, the thought pops into my mind. I was like, I kind of go to go to the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, not a big deal. I can drop her off. I live like five minutes away. Not a big deal. Just I'll, I'll go home. So we get in the car, we pull out of Tony Romo's, we get on the road, and it's one of those roads now where, you, you know, the, 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 the divider in the middle and there's no turning around. And as soon as I make that turn and get on the road, I'm like, wow, I really should have went to the bathroom. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many you know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure we've all been there at least one point in our life, okay? And so I make that turn, and now I, I'm committed to driving. I'm like, wow, I really need to go. Yep, I got to go. Burger King right there. Pulling to Burger King. Not a problem. Come on, we're engaged, somebody. Okay? We're still in the courting engagement process. We're still getting, you, you still have your best on. You don't, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You don't want to do anything dumb. I mean, she could easily be like, dude, we are not getting married, all right? And so I pull in the Burger King and I'm like, sweet, made it. Go up to Burger King. And it's one of those, those times when once you stand up, you're committed, you're going to go. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm committed, and I walk over to the door, and I'm like, kick, kick. I'm like, kick, kick. Now thoughts are running through my mind. My God, we're not going to get married. She's going to leave me. She's going to give the ring back. You know? I'm just like, thoughts are filming. I'm like, what do I do? It's like literally, I, I, I'm committed. I cannot go back to the car. And there is no other restaurant around. This is a miserable place to be, ladies and gentlemen. This is a test true relationship right here and so she obviously knows I have to go pretty bad she pulled over Burking, and I'm like I remember I turned around there's the car parked right there and there's a bush right here and it was almost like the burning bush speaking to me so I stepped behind the bush nobody's ever gonna come back to Irvin huh you flipped God off and you went Okay. And so I did what I had to do right there. And I get done and I stand up. She knows, man. She's just like, oh my gosh. So I get up and I turn. And as I turn, I look and there's a video camera right there pointing down. And I know still to this day, they watch it at every Christmas party and laugh. Look at the idiot. You know, okay. I thought I had blown it. I thought that was one of those moments where I had blown it so bad. That it, it, it was over, and I got back in the car, and it was like one of those silent things. Nothing had to be said. I just got, I, I just actually asked her, will, will you drive? She's like, sure. I sat in the passenger seat, and she just drove. One of those, I thought I had blown it. But there was a promise on her finger. Come on, somebody. And that diamond on her finger was too big. Although I thought I was going to have to get a bigger one after that. But for her to say, to say no. I want you to know something. God has a promise for you. And it's bigger than a diamond ring. God has a promise for you. And it was found in His Son, Jesus Christ, when He went to the cross. And I want you to know something today. It doesn't matter how bad you've blown it. It doesn't matter how dumb you were. If you would just tap back into the grace of God and get under the covering of the cross, the promise of Jesus is this. It's not over. I have something for you. There is a way out. There is deliverance. There is hope. Can somebody say amen? When God speaks, the power gets restored. When God speaks, purpose gets restored. They began to worship God once again. Look at what happened, ladies and gentlemen. 
He says this in verse 26 of verse 4, To Seth uh, also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord once again. When God speaks, the power gets turned back on. And when God speaks, I'm telling you right now, purpose gets restored. What is your purpose? Worship God. What is your purpose? Keep your eyes fixed on Him. And here it begins to turn. Power, ah, faith is rising up inside. Purpose, let's worship Him together. Lastly, when we conclude right here, potential gets restored. Potential gets restored. What was the potential? What was the potential? The potential was this. The seed that comes from you will destroy the enemy. Adam and Eve thought they blew it. And now Cain and Abel come on the scene and they disqualify themselves. But Eve gets a word for God and has an appointment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the appointment was, I have another seed appointed to you. And then we get to Genesis chapter 5. Some of you missed it the first time, so I'm going to read it to you again. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in his likeness, the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man. And when they were created, now listen to verse 3. When Adam had lived a hundred in 30 years he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth this is the book of the generations of Adam I got a question for you today what happened to Cain and Abel in the generations this is the generations and it bypasses Cain and Abel and it says Adam had a son and named him Seth when God speaks, He begins to take a huge eraser and He begins to restore your potential and He begins to erase that mistake. He begins to take that thing out of your life. That's why the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so have your transgressions been removed from you. Some of you need to let go of Cain and Abel today and you need to look to the promise that God has given you because God has wrote the mistake out of your genealogy and he is saying I got something greater for you I've got something better for you and I am taking an eraser and I am removing Cain and Abel from the genealogy I am removing them from your past. He makes it as if they would never dare.